That was Kelsey Lou, I'm Not In Love, a cover of uh, a song made famous by Donny Osmond. I don't know if he actually wrote this song or not, but I've always loved that song. There's been a couple covers of it over the years. It's really fantastic. It is such a cruel song, if you read the lyrics, in comparison to the squeaky bright reputation and uh, forward-facing of Donny Osmond. I always thought that was an interesting contrast. So um, check it out. Check out all the iterations of that song. I think you might like it. This is Dostazapod. We're talking about dreams, and we're talking about the Doomsday Plan. I had the most fantastical dream the other night. It, it is literally like the stories I'm writing are starting to manifest themselves in the subconscious world, which I think is an interesting parallel to the vector and being able to create things within the vector, not unlike what Cyber Mama does with her caster ability. Uh, I've talked before about the passage in the Talmud, the old uh, Hebrew text, uh, that speaks about the Feast of the Leviathan, that this great beast will be slayed, they will build a tent out of its skin and leather, and then inside of the tent they will serve the meat of the Leviathan. And that is, uh, it's an important story, and it has important consequences for Knights of the Slice that hopefully we get to sometime over the next decade or two. Um, I had a dream that I was in, I was at the Feast of the Leviathan, but the the twist is that it was a theme park run not unlike Disney. Um, I think part of this dream was based on, uh, there's an ARC theme park in the middle of America. I want to say it's in Missouri. I don't know if that's true. It's called ARC Encounter. I follow the Instagram of uh, this theme park, and it is wild. It is truly wild. Um, I reckon you go take a look and check it out. Now, I'm not being pejorative or dismissive to people of faith. Um, I, I know quite a bit about the Bible. I had mandatory Bible studies every Saturday from my great-grandmother, who did a lot of the sort of raising and care for me and my sisters. And uh, if we wanted to take a trip to the store afterwards and get to pick out a new toy, we had to sit through these long, meandering Bible studies. So I'm actually uh, pretty well adept at um, the Old and New Testament, and uh, I think that's good information to have. I don't think it sort of informs my life and my decisions the way it may for those with um, a deeper spiritual connection to it, but I think uh, it has certainly inspired my storytelling in a lot of respects. But anyway, let me hop back to the dream. So I'm walking around this this really this Orlando-esque theme park, and uh, I started to realize that you know this was a theme park based on the Feast of the Leviathan from the Talmud, and. Um, <laughs> uh, I was walking past the the sort of cafeteria section where the restaurants were, and there were these big, long wooden planks, and on top of it were these enormous sort of prime ribs. It looked like something out of the Flintstones. And I started to realize this was the Leviathan meat that they were going to serve up. And the name of the restaurant was Big Meat. I think that's so perfect. Um, Very emblematic of a lot of my thinking in a lot of ways. But um, I got to tell you, it was so vivid and so real and uh, I've always been fueled by dreams. I've, I've always sort of tried to transcribe what I experience in them. And a lot of things that I've experienced in them 
have come back into my storytelling and my comics and my characters. And, um, you know, it further informs my opinion about the collective unconsciousness and the connectivity all of us have. But I thought I would share that with you guys. Pretty interesting uh, sort of evening. Not a bad way to spend uh, eight or nine hours. So where are we today? Things felt a little pre-apocalyptic last week, and I have to say nothing has changed in terms of my information about the situation in China. But instead of sort of bemoaning these delays or, you know, potential sort of uh, cart completely coming off the tracks, I decided to sequester myself in the workshop. It's freezing cold out here, but I knew what I had to do. I had to pull out every single figure I have, every single thing that hasn't been released yet or has been stockpiled or saved for a rainy day. And I had to come up with the doomsday plan. So my premise and my assumption is no new product will ever get made again. Now this is likely not to be the case, but this is what I planned for. This is what I spent probably about five or six hours laying out. It, it looked not unlike, you know those scenes in conspiracy movies when there's a map with uh, thumbtacks and red string connecting everything. That's a lot of what was going on here. And I did it. I was able to crack the code. So. Functioning under the premise that there will never be any new product, there will never be any new figures, Radic and Hackerman never happen for some reason, can I fulfill my obligation to Action Figure of the Month Club 2020 just based on what I have here stateside? And I can say, with certainty, within <laughs> the margin of error of one or two units, one or two pieces, action figures, I can fulfill the rest of Action Figure of the Month. And I can actually build some pretty compelling figures that you guys will go nuts for. So I'm happy to say there is a contingency plan in place. There are a couple caveats to this. Um, one, people paid to fund Radic and Hackerman, and God forbid if those two never happen, I would probably have to work out some sort of um, you know, either refund situation or discount situation or store credit situation or something. But again, I'm doing this exercise as a worst case scenario. I don't actually think that's going to be the case. I still am 99% certain we will get Hackerman and Radic before 2021. But I had to sort of lay out these next months as if that wasn't going to happen. Um, the second thing is that I can do it but there will be a repeat of some styles. Now, not every now, no two styles, no one style will follow each other twice. There will be months that break it up. But obviously, because I'm pulling from everything I have here stateside, there is less of a variety than there would be if I were ordering new product to fulfill these months. Um, the remarkable thing to me was not that I was able to lay out. March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December, but that I was actually able to come up with creative and interesting styles and new characters that had never occurred to me before, simply by using a combination of parts. Um, it was really, it was a 
like the birth of creation type experience. It was me laying out all of these different parts and components and saying, well, okay, this figure by itself is not particularly compelling and not a good value for people's money. But if I add this item over here, if I swap this head with that, if I throw in an accessory kit here, we got something. And then slowly but surely, new characters kind of appeared out of that. There were, you know, interesting mashups that that kind of informed me, hey, this is a new character, there's a story to tell here. And um, what that means is whether or not these characters that I came up with, these sort of 10 new characters, whether or not they just end up being standard releases or they end up being Action Figure of the Month figures, they will end up getting out to you guys in some way, shape, or form. I am very, very confident that if it is a doomsday scenario and you're only going to get what I cooked up, I think you're going to be very happy. I think also there's going to be a lot of people who feel like they missed out because in some cases I only have exactly enough to fulfill all of these pre-orders and things like that. So I'm excited for it and I'm excited to release these characters in any way, shape or form. Um, in a proactive measure, I am moving to one of these backup figures for March. So originally, I was just going to slide up a figure that was later in the year for March. But I actually came up with kind of a new character, a new take. And it's a little bit different. It's not what you're expecting. It's got a ton of value built into it. And I think you're absolutely going to love it. And I cannot wait to get this one out to you. So... I think, as a precaution, I'm going to do that for March, even though I have not conclusively heard back if, uh, you know, if Radic is still a go, if uh, Hackerman is still a go, but uh, I think we can assume that is going to happen. The other thing I realized um, in laying all this stuff out is that my habit of taking an aggressive position on inventory, wherein... The majority of sort of independent toy creators are just going to order what they need that month or the next month. They're going to have that sale and then they're going to use that money to buy the following sales stuff. In my case, I buy 10 to 12 months worth of product with one production run. So it takes me much longer to get my orders through and all the paint done and quality control and all that. But when it's done and it lands, I'm set for quite a while and I never actually knew if that was smart or dumb because it costs, you know, I'm probably putting down, boy, 75% more money than I think a lot of toy makers do because I buy ahead, uh, you know, in, in such an advanced manner. Now, if I was just buying small amounts, I'd be saving so much money and I wouldn't be so constantly strapped for cash and then flush with cash. You know, it's kind of a feast or famine sort of uh, revenue stream in a lot of respects. So I never actually have really been tested to see if I was buying too much or if I was buying too little or if this whole idea of taking on inventory was smart or dumb. It's felt in the past to be the wrong move because I've been surrounded by lots of boxes of stuff I can't sell immediately. And that tends to make you feel a little trapped and a little, you know, boxed in, literally. But um, in this case, I, I have proven that my 
compulsiveness to overorder has been a huge benefit. And it's not just because I can sort of fulfill the Action Figure of the Month 2020 um, obligations. It's also because I still have unique figures and styles that I can sell alongside Action Figure of the Month 2020. Keep in mind, I've already been paid for Action Figure of the Month 2020. So I need unique sales outside of that to continue to fund the business and keep the lights on and keep things moving. So if I only fulfilled the next 10 months of Action Figure of the Month and that was the only thing I had, uh, I would be out of business because there's no, there's actually no new sales being generated. Now, granted, a couple of these months have a little bit of extra inventory that would be sold afterwards, and that's a nice little shot in the arm, but that is nowhere near the amount of money that one needs to make to keep a flourishing e-commerce business up and running. So this position on inventory actually ended up being a very smart play, even if I wasn't sort of trying to be intentionally smart. I was accidentally smart on this one. Um, I think also we are lucky, the Knights of the Slice brand anyway, in that there will not be a disruption right away in the terms of how we operate, in the terms of the items we sell. Um, I don't know what everyone else is going to do. I think that there may end up being this drought of product. You know, people won't be able to get stuff. And this is not, I'm not talking bad about the Glios community. This is a this is an every sort of maker um, problem. There is going to be a real bottleneck of people not having new product to sell, of people not being able to get their productions back up and running, of, of things going super late, um, of refunds needing to be given. Um... You know, we, we still don't know. It's like the Iowa caucus. We have no idea what the uh, ramifications are here. Um, there's also one other thing in this doomsday plan that I, I do have to address. So, yeah, the other big caveat to the doomsday plan is only half of subsidy supply drop has been fulfilled and that and the product has been made for it. Uh, all the other SKUs are either on order or out for quotation and would conceivably be fulfilled should and if China gets back up and running. But if it doesn't, in this doomsday scenario, if we're looking at no new manufacturing happening at all, um, I don't think those old styles would be made conceivably. So there I'm looking at potentially a refund situation in this theoretical, you know, thought exercise. Um, but I, I suppose also you could make the argument, if the issue at hand is China and not a place like, say, Taiwan, which is nearby-ish, um, then one possible scenario is that steel tools and production simply leave mainland China, assuming they have permission from the government, and go to a country where the quarantine is not in effect or that the, the sort of borders have been cleared and, you know, the, uh, the outbreak is not such a uh, dangerous thing. I, I think that that is very much a, a possibility in, uh, 
you know, these sort of pointless thought exercises. So um, that's really the only question mark here. Well, I guess we got a couple question marks. When are Raddick and Hackerman going to happen? When do things get back to normal? Um, and then, you know, what becomes of the second part of Subsidy Supply Drop? And as I said before, I'm so glad that just by by chance, by happenstance, I wasn't in a position and the quotations weren't ready for me to put a balance, or sorry, put a deposit down on that second chunk of subsidy supply drop. If I did, uh, it would have been catastrophic for me financially. It would have been even more money put out that I was, you know, I have no date or no estimation in getting back and being able to sell. So, um, you know, that's super scary. And, and just by, by chance and by happenstance, uh, we sort of ran out of time before Chinese New Year break. And I didn't, you know, the quotations weren't in a position where money could be wired. Um, there was also another lucky break that, that plays into this doomsday fulfillment scenario for Action Figure of the Month. Um, typically, there are scrap involved with production. And I don't mean scrap in melted pieces or things that aren't right or, you know, uh, imperfections, things like that. I mean, if you run multiple figures and multiple tools and you're making these sort of combo figures, there are extra pieces that just have to be run with the tool. You can't close off every cavity in it. And so let's take the Device Ninja uh, accessory, the, the heavy caliber kit which is sort of two gun arms, a uh, sort of neck, chest, pauldron, and then a new robot head. Say a character only needs that new robot head, you still have to run at least a portion of those other parts. So the other parts get outputted, they might get cleaned, they might get washed, and then they probably get scrapped, you know, unless there's other arrangements that have been made for it. In an odd stroke of luck, I had asked for some parts from an upcoming production run to uh, be put aside and put together and sent to me. And I paid for those. You know, you sort of pay a lower amount for these scrap pieces that are being run anyway. And um, the factory sent them to me, but they sent me not only the 100 or so or 200 or 300 that I ordered, they also sent to me an entire duplicate of that order unpackaged. So, you know, a an entire bag that weighs five pounds of just boots, an entire bag of torso pieces, an entire, you know, every single component and part that went into these figures, they ran twice. I'm guessing it was probably a plastic density thing. They needed certain pieces softer, certain pieces harder, so they had to sort of duplicate the running of each figure. And so, to my surprise, when everything got here, there was this plethora of new spare pieces that I had not anticipated in having. And um, it's just, you know, you could call it a clerical error, you could call it a misunderstanding, a translation issue, whatever the case may be. It's these extra parts that are the reason I can have this backup plan to fulfill Action Figure of the Month 2020. Without these parts, 
I don't have enough of any single figure to meet my obligations. You know, Action Figure of the Month is really two components. You have the monthly crate, and then you have your one-month crates. And the month that you do your one-month crates along with your normal monthly enrollees is an enormous month. It's more than double your normal output. So without that one figure to go out to all those one-month people as well as all the regular enrollees, without a huge quantity to sort of fulfill that, I would have been in potentially a lot of trouble. Um, If everything gets back to the way it was, or hopefully better, um, that one-month figure will be either Radic or Hackerman, as I've said before, because that would be a new production. I can order the correct large amount that I need, and uh, we, we, you know, can sort of easily meet that requirement with a new production. It is incredibly difficult to take old, I shouldn't say old, but take yet-to-be-used inventory and try to retrofit it to fit such a big order. In fact, it would have been impossible without these beautiful, beautiful scraps I have. Um, And I say scraps, that sounds a bit pejorative, but these are legit real figures, you know, in a color that uh, hasn't been available yet. So, um, I guess my point in saying this is that this project is always these little tiny breaks, these little strokes of luck that for some reason keep us upright and keep us landing on our feet. And there have been so many bigger problems and issues and bumps in the road that should have wiped Knights of Slice off the map instantly. The least of which is the original Kickstarter actually not earning enough for the production that we needed. We came up short. It ended up being slightly more expensive than anticipated. Um, Including, just after that got solved, by the grace of some good friends, um, the line absolutely tanking at Hastings. People may not remember, but the line was released in a sort of wholesale wholesale partnership. I should say wholesale, I should say retail partnership, with the chain Hastings. And the future and the success of Knights of Slice depended on how well those items sold at Hastings. And they sat there. They did not sell very well at all. Our audience was way too small to support a sort of retail release. So that was the second time we could have been dead. The third time we could have been dead, and this is just not even in the first year of Nice of Slice. This is within the first couple months. The third time was when Hastings came to me and said, hey, these goods aren't selling. We need to talk about markdown money. Now, markdown money essentially means you are giving back (laughs) any profit that you made on the transaction. Not always. Sometimes it can mean you give them a credit for future product or X, Y, and Z. There's different ways to skin a cat. But essentially, I was now going to be financially liable to them for the poor performance of this line and would have to make arrangements to alleviate, um, you know, the bleeding that they were going through. Anytime 
a retailer puts something on the shelf, it has to earn money because it's taking up real estate that should be better allocated to uh, something that actually sells. And they look to manufacturers to alleviate that. So that was the third time within the first couple months that um, our head was on the chopping block easily. Now, what happened there? A couple days later, I think, yeah, it must have been a couple days, um, Hastings went out of business. Now, the downside is I actually was in negotiation to buy back all the inventory, and I think I, I could have used all those blind packs. It would have been good. But they essentially went under. They went out of business, and uh, that was it. I was sort of free of this failure in some respects. But the price I paid was all that inventory got closed out somewhere, probably a railroad salvage store or something. And uh, it just didn't, kind of didn't exist. Uh, When that happened, I took a break from Nights of the Slice, big time. And it was only through the coaxing of Matt Dowdy and his convincing that, hey, why don't you just do a small release, put together one last wave and just get it out there. You know, take some of the designs you, you couldn't do in wave one and put them together and just follow my lead, do what we do in our drops and, you know, just just see if anybody responds, see if it, if it does anything. And uh, so uh, several months later, I did just that and I introduced Operation Cold Slice, which is uh, series two which OG Night of the Slice fans, real heads will know, um, was extremely popular and is an extremely expensive wave to collect today. We had the military, the combat twins. We had Death Knight, who, you know, became this really uh, legendary character. We had Medic Knight, who is a super sought-after style. Um, And, you know... These guys kind of, uh, they revitalized things. Now, it, it didn't, that wasn't the point where I sort of earned back the total investment so far. That wasn't the, you know, vibrant resurrection of Nice to Slice to what it was today. But it was an incremental step that uh, really infused some life into Nice to Slice. It got us some new followers. It got us a couple Glios fans that had passed us up in the initial Kickstarter and it became this sort of second chapter of Knights of the Slice. And, uh, you know, we've been cruising along since. We, we've also, you know, almost gone under quite a few times since then with various bumps and delays and things that required, you know, booking a plane to, uh, to China the next day and just hopping on a flight, fixing things. But we're here. And we're alive and, you know... This virus situation is terrible for the cost of human life and for the people dealing with it. It's not terrible for us. Knights of the Slice will endure and sort of move on from this. Um, I, I still think things will get back to somewhat normal at some point and manufacturing will continue. But you can rest assured that if it doesn't, I got a plan totally in place. And I'm excited to sort of release these characters. When we get to January of next year, it'll be interesting if you guys can pick out which characters from this year 
were sort of doomsday characters that, that came out of this chaotic uh, existential threat. Um, because I, I do think, in many respects, I do my best work in those positions. When I'm looking at oblivion, when I'm facing down the end of something I like very much, uh, that is when I'm sort of in peak performance. I can spread out on the table, I can look at the inventory I have, and I can make a plan. And not only do I make a plan, but give birth to new characters. They, they pop out, they demand life and a name and a story. You know, these things come to me. I, I'm not the, the sort of inspiration of them. They're, they're out there. They just choose me as the vessel. So I'm feeling good. I will keep you guys, of course, posted as I get more information from China. Uh, thank you all for the orders this week. That was a really tremendous sale. We sold out of several styles. And uh, it was duly needed. My war chest is very depleted right now. I got to pay down the business credit card. Get those lovely chase points. Um, but uh, we're still surviving. And everything should be business as usual. With the exception of some changes to figures that I was going to put into um, the next couple action figure of the month boxes. And uh, we'll keep fighting the good fight. I hope you guys are doing well out there as well. Um, let's talk soon. The only thing left to say is pizza out.